0: If you have your Bibles, you can. We'll share. What part do you want to do? <laughs> if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 18. We'll be starting in verse 28 and working our way through verse 16 of chapter 19. Uh, but we'll we'll do it a little bit differently than what we normally do. Normally we go verse by verse, um, but we're uh, uh, focusing on Jesus being examined uh, by the government. And so um, I'm going to pull out the uh, focus on, on some of the major verses, and so we won't hit every single one kind of like we normally do. Uh, last week, Jason concentrated on Jesus being examined by the religious leaders or the Jewish leaders. Uh, And this week, we'll focus on Jesus being examined by the government leaders. Remember now, Jesus has just been betrayed by Judas. Uh, And if you remember what Jason said, he came with a detachment of troops, officers, chief priests, and Pharisees to collect Jesus because he was so dangerous and scary and threatening that he thought he had to bring everybody and his brother just to get Jesus. Uh, Little did he know that uh, uh, Jesus knew that was going to happen and. And uh, freely went. but um, And uh, if you remember, this is where Simon Peter decides he's going to save the day. He's going to uh, attack one of the chi- uh, the high priest's servants. And uh, takes a swing and misses. Actually kind of just gets the guy's ear. Uh, probably, I'm thinking, if he was going to attack the guy, I don't think he was going for his ear. Uh, kind of like Jason said, I think he was going for a vital organ. And he missed. <laughs> um, but uh, And then you remember what Jesus did. Um, he uh, he knew he knew this was part of God's plan, and he told Peter to put his sword away. And then he said, Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? And Jesus was referring to his death and resurrection and the crucifixion for the sins of the world. Jesus was then taken to Anas, the father in law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest examined or questioned, and then eventually taken to the high priest Caiaphas. And from there, he was examined and questioned again, and then finally taken to the government government leader, Pilate. Uh, so there in uh, John eighteen twenty eight, excuse me, it reads, Then they, which are the Jewish leaders, led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, which is a big fancy word. So I lo- I didn't know what it was, so I had to look it up. And it's Latin for big fancy tent. So um, so they took, uh, led Jesus from Caiaphas to the big fancy tent, and it was early in the morning. But they themselves did not go into the big tent, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? So here's right where the governmental uh, examination of Jesus begins. Right here with this question from Pilate asking, okay, so what are, you accusing him? what are you accusing Jesus of? Uh, Pilate is asking the Jewish leaders what they are charging Jesus with. Notice their response, and this is pretty funny. They did not answer his question directly, but indirectly. They said they're starting in verse 30. So Pilate says, what accusation do you bring against this man? In verse 30, they say, they answered and said to him, if he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Typical answer from somebody who, who knows they're wrong and they're just trying to slide something by. Like, hey, we wouldn't have wasted your time. We wouldn't have come up here. Uh, he's, he's absolutely done something wrong. Just take our word for it and uh, we'll, we'll be out of your hair and, and on our way. They were obviously treading on thin ice uh, and they were hoping they could slip the issue of not having legitimate charges past pilot. And here's why they were not being upfront and honest. The Jewish leaders uh, wanted to put Jesus to death. They wanted to eliminate him and get him out of the way. But the Jewish council did not have the right to execute prisoners. So they had to get the cooperation and approval of Rome uh, to get this accomplished. And so that's their, their, their purpose. Uh, and this, Which brings us to the reason uh, why the Jewish leaders have brought Jesus to Pilate and why they did not directly answer Pilate's question. They know Jesus has done nothing to deserve death, and yet they are trying uh, to slide it past Pilate. Also, just a, a, a side note, there are three stages to a Jewish uh, and a Roman trial. Uh, stage one is kind of like local, um, and, and that's where they took Jesus to Anas. And stage two is when Jesus was uh, interrogated by Caiaphas, uh, the high priest. And then stage three is finally when they get to Pilate. so there's there's three stages there so we've already done the first two so now we're at we're at stage three um, and um, the Jewish Jewish leaders are trying to trick Pilate basically Pilate's no dummy uh, and he sees what they're what they're trying to do and he immediately replies in verse 31 okay you take him judge him according to your law right there he knows they're not answering him directly he knows hey something's up They haven't said, here's exactly what he did, blah, 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 blah. They're like, hey, he he did something bad, just trust us. So he immediately says, you take him and judge him according to your law. And basically he was just saying that Jesus has done nothing and therefore is not guilty of any crime. But the Jewish leaders responded, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. We talked about this earlier, um, I'm sorry, we talked about this earlier, uh, and this is their sole purpose for bringing Pilate, uh, so that the Roman government... Uh, could put Jesus to death. Do a little uh, background uh, on Pilate here. Um, He was mainly concerned about himself. (laughs) He was a man that was interested in making everybody happy. He wanted to please everybody. Uh, He had a nice, comfortable life, wanted to keep that, and so his interest was to to make everybody happy. He was definitely not a rock-the-boat sort of person. Um, He was definitely in the middle of the road, uh, and this trial or examination of Jesus, um, um, we're going to see here, revolves around four key questions. All right, the first one uh, is the one that Pilate has already asked. What is the accusation? Instead of answering the question directly, like we talked about, the Jewish leaders beat around the bush, um, but then they managed to come up with three accusations. So here they are. They're saying, uh, the first thing, hey, Jesus led the nation astray. All right, that's, that's pretty, pretty serious. He led, led an entire nation astray. The second one, he opposed paying tribute to Caesar. And if somebody did, you know, back in that day, that would be, that would be pretty bad. That would, uh, um, I don't know exactly, but I'm pretty sure you'd be probably put to death for that. <laughs> um, and then third, he claimed to be the Jewish Messiah uh, and king. But Pilate was not very anxious uh, to get involved in Jewish affairs. He felt that uh, if Jesus was creating a problem for the Jews, uh, he should be tried under their own law. And if we seriously consider these accusations, those three accusations, you can quickly see they are completely unsupportable. Uh, The first one, Jesus did not lead the nation astray, um, as the Jewish leaders suggested. He did, however, publicly denounce the Pharisees and their hypocritical religious system but he was not the first person to do it and not the only one. Lots of people did it all the time. So um, if you think about it in that way, how many people prior to that have been brought to Pilate for death? None, Um, you know, none that we're aware of. So that really was kind of sketchy and and so um, that one you can kind of just forget. It doesn't work. As far as opposing paying tribute to Caesar... Jesus taught just the opposite. And if we flip over into Matthew uh, chapter 22, we're going to read a little bit there exactly um, how Jesus uh, did pay tribute to Caesar and did recognize him. So uh, Matthew chapter 22, uh, starting in verse 15, and this is talking about uh, Jesus uh, when he was talking about uh, paying taxes to Caesar. So it says in verse 15, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. Talking about, okay, how can we, how can we trip up Jesus here? What, what can we do here? So the Pharisees, and they're no dummies either, um, they, they don't go themselves, okay? They sent their disciples, hoping maybe Jesus didn't know who they were, and they, he just maybe would think that they're just some people that came. And so they sent, they sent to him, Jesus, their disciples, with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true, and teach the way of God and truth. So they're starting off good here. They're starting off, uh, hey, you know, you speak the truth, and uh, we really respect you. Um, and then, uh, okay, so and teach the way of the truth, nor do you care about uh, anyone, and you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? And here comes their, here comes their trick. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew exactly what they were doing. And it says, but Jesus perceived their wickedness. And he said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So he's saying, okay, you want to play that game? Let's go. Where's the tax money? Let me have it. Bring it here. So they brought him a denarii. And uh, this is where Jesus says, whose image and inscription is, is in this, on this, sorry. They said to him, Caesars. And here's where, here's where Jesus gives, gives uh, recognition to Caesar. And Jesus said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. So basically Jesus just said, <laughs> putting you in your place, you're a hypocrite, give me the money. No, this is Caesar's, give it to him. And whatever belongs to God, you better give it to God. So now, the second one, now regarding, I'm sorry, the third one, now regarding his claim to be king. Jesus did claim to be king, but not in a political sense. Uh, Even his own disciples truly did not understand uh, all of this until after his resurrection. At this point, the Jewish leaders are just grasping at straws. They're just trying to build a case out of anything that they can hoping that Pilate will hear something different than maybe what they're saying, and will just give in and say, okay, yep, uh, kill him, execute him, and uh, be gone. But uh, Pilate focuses actually on this last accusation, uh, and he asks Jesus if he is the king of the Jews, which is the second of the four key questions. And I love Jesus' response here. He answers Pilate's question with a question. Uh, which you're not supposed to do, but I think Jesus can do this. So uh, it says back, So okay, I'm sorry. So we're back in John 18, and we're going to be in verse 34 there. So John 18, 34 says, and he's an, Jesus is answering Pilate's question uh, if he's the king of the Jews. And, and Jesus says, are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? So what Jesus was asking, he's saying, did you come up with this question on your own? Or did some Jews tell you to ask me that question? And of course, no self-respecting Roman uh, is ever going to be in cooperation with a Jew. Uh, So Pilate answers him, am I a Jew? Uh, Your own nation and priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? So he's asking Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? What have you done? Um, But Jesus knew what he was doing. And he was saying, you didn't even come up with this on your own. Somebody had to tell you this. Okay. Okay. So right now, you're uh, in cahoots with some Jews, okay? Um, Is that really good for you? And uh, of course, for Pilate, it's not. Uh, And I think that at this time right now, Pilate is really beginning to understand who he has right here in front of him. He's probably thinking something like like this. He's probably thinking, how in the world did Jesus know the Jewish leaders had come and talked to me and told me to ask him that question? How could he possibly know that information? Because he's not seeing Jesus as Jesus. He's just seeing Jesus as just some man. And so um, Pilate is really beginning, really starting to uh, kind of question and, and maybe start to be a little concerned uh, about who's in front of him, who's he questioning, who's he uh, examining, and, and how is this going to play out? So Jesus has a simple answer uh, for Pilate, and it's there in verse 36. It says, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not from here. Okay, so right now, pretty sure Pilate just had his aha moment. He's contemplating Jesus' response and thinking, you're right. If you were of this world, you'd have all kinds of soldiers, all kinds of uh people coming to your defense and trying to snatch you away from us, trying to attack us, and you don't have one single person here. So Pilate again is just deeper into this, okay, wow, who do I have here? Who do I have here? There is nobody coming here to fight for him. Now, had Jesus called his servants, uh his heavenly servants, yeah, it'd have been over in a snap. But <laughs> Jesus knows this is what he has to do. Pilate replies to Jesus and asks him, uh, and I am guess he's probably starting to get just a touch sheepish here when he says, are you a king then? Jesus could have just simply said yes, uh, but he scripted his response perfectly, and he said, Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth Here's my voice. Okay, Pilate is, is neck deep now. Okay, he's really starting. Um, he's, he's past the starting of the questioning of who he's got, and he's really now starting to be more concerned with himself. Uh, so, Jesus, uh, so so Pilate asked Jesus, well, What is truth? And no sooner do the words get out of his mouth and before he gives Jesus a chance to respond, and I, I think... If this was a phrase back then, I can see Pilate saying, as soon as he said, what is truth, I can see Pilate saying, oh, snap. But what does Pilate do instead? He gets up, leaves his big tent, and approaches the Jews, and this is the second time he tells them, I find no fault in this man. Pilate's begin, he's worried about himself. He knows there's, he's, he's innocent, and now he's concerned about himself. Okay, this, this guy is not from this world He has no one here to protect him. He knows exactly what's going on. He hasn't done anything wrong. I don't want any part of this. He goes out to the people and says, hey, I don't find any fault in him And this second time. And we see this is starting to be a reoccurring theme with Pilate. He's telling the people that he finds absolutely no fault in Jesus, but is he really doing this to communicate with the people? Or is he maybe actually communicating with Jesus to make sure Jesus understands that he finds no fault in him, you know. I don't know exactly sure, but I, I would venture to guess that Pilate is, is not so much concerned with the people now, and he's more concerned with Jesus. And so um, he's making sure Jesus knows, hey, buddy, I don't find any fault in you, okay? So now we're on to the third key question. This is, um, the question is, shall I release the king of the Jews? So the Jews um, had a custom at Passover uh, to release someone, release a prisoner. So Pilate, knowing that, he quickly changes from trial to custom, uh, asking them should he release the king of the Jews. Pilate did this thinking that he could get the innocent Jesus released using their own custom of releasing someone at Passover. Uh, And we know the response of the crowd was an absolute resounding no. They asked for Barabbas. Barabbas who is a convicted robber, to be, to be released instead of Jesus. And remember, Pilate's trying to please everybody here. He's trying to please the crowd, but he's also very concerned about Jesus. He's not really sure what, what to do, but he can see the crowd now is growing in intensity. So in verse 1 of chapter 19, Pilate has Jesus scourged and instructs his soldiers to twist some thorns, those big thorns, uh, twist them together and make a crown out of it, okay? We're going to get a little sarcastic here. We're going to make a crown for you. Uh, and they placed it on his head and clothed them in, in a purple robe. And um, if you know anything about scourging, um, it's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of details on that, but it is brutal. And if you live through it, um, it's a miracle. But after having Jesus scourged, which is significant torture and is unimaginable, Pilate tries once again to have Jesus released. Pilate is hoping that the people will see Jesus in this state. Just absolutely wiped out, tortured, um, and he's hoping that the crowd will have compassion on him. They'll see him in this state and they'll say, okay, you know what? I guess what he did wasn't so bad, and uh, that's good enough. You know, we'll call it good and... and uh, And go ahead and release him. So for the third time, Pilate says in verse 4, Pilate then went out again, and he said to them, Behold, I am bringing him, Jesus, out to you, that you may know I I find no fault in him. Pilate then announces to the people, Behold the man. And immediately the chief priests and the officers saw Jesus, and said we know what they said crucify him crucify him not once they said it twice they wanted to make their point known they didn't care what kind of condition he was in they didn't care they had zero compassion for Jesus whatsoever they were on their focus they wanted him dead they wanted him crucified I think by this time Pilate is ready for this to be over and done have it done out of here and go And so now, for the fourth time, and the final time, he says to the crowd, this is Pilate, he says, fine, you take him and crucify him, I find no fault in him. For the fourth time he said that. And in verse 7, the Jews answer Pilate, saying, we have a good law, according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the son of God. Okay, so now this brings us to our fourth uh, and final question. Pilate goes back into his big fancy tent, and he asks Jesus, Hey, where are you from? But Jesus doesn't answer him. He doesn't say a word. This examination had gone on for some time now, and I'm sure uh, Pilate is seriously wondering, again, what kind of person do I have here? No other prisoner that has ever been brought before him has acted like this. Nobody. So I'm sure he is perplexed, mesmerized, and very confused at what's going on Jesus was very calm cool and collected the entire time and Pilate uh, again he is questioning himself obviously questioning himself he says to Jesus do you not understand don't you get it that I have the power to release you or have you crucified do you not understand that now, had this been me, I know that way back at question one, way back at question one, I'd have been begging, pleading, whatever I could do uh, to get out of that, and I guarantee I would not have made it through the scourging. No way. Uh, <laughs> but Jesus puts Pilate in his place right here. And these are the last words that Jesus says to Pilate. And um, he answers Pilate, answers his question with this. This is verse 11. It says, "Jesus answered, "You have no power at all against me unless it has been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin." At this point in time, I can see Pilate's jaw hitting the floor. He is now, obviously in full fear of Jesus, obviously. He's tried everything he can do to get rid of him, to let the people know he's innocent. He even tried to do a little trickery, having him scourged and trying to convince him, hey, you know what? It's Passover. You have custom to release people. Hey, here, take him. Still isn't happening. And so at this time, the crowd pulled out their Caesar card, okay? Because they can see that Pilate is telling them he's not, he's, he's not guilty, he's innocent, and so they pull out their Caesar card and start waving around. And if there, was only, if there was one person that Pilate feared more than Jesus, it was Caesar. Pilate's power came from Caesar, and he didn't want to lose that, but he also feared Jesus. Then the crowd started pressuring Pilate, and here's what they say. Again, a typical uh, pressure sentence that people would say to get you to do what they want. They say... If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. So Pilate's fear of Caesar finally takes over. He commits to turning Jesus over to be crucified. And it's interesting, though, that Pilate refers to Jesus as their king. And he asked them, shall I crucify your king? But the chief priests were very quick to answer, uh, and they said to Pilate, We have no king but Caesar. He is our only king. We don't recognize Jesus as our king, only Caesar. So, Jesus has just been examined by the Roman government. He's found to be not guilty at least four times by Pilate. Four separate times by Pilate, he's found not guilty. But then he's delivered away to be crucified which is exactly what God had planned. He had the entire process planned out, and that's exactly what God wanted to have happen, for him to be delivered over, to be crucified, for the sins of the world. So, uh, next week, Mike is going to be teaching on Jesus being examined by pain and death. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll stop here today, and then we'll take uh, our next step next week. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this time we had to gather together and just ask, Father, that you would use these words to teach us and to grow us closer to you, Lord. Help us to understand what you did and went through for us, that you were examined and found not guilty and still crucified. You had the opportunity to get out, but you chose to do that for us, and we're so thankful for that. We're so thankful for you. Lord, I just ask that you will uh, use this to mold and shape our hearts and our minds, Lord, so that we can grow closer to you. Ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.